The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. Good morning and welcome to the program. We want to welcome you back if you're a returning listener and if you're a first-time listener, we hope you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church located just off of Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Our worship services are each Sunday morning at 10.30 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. I want to mention to you our upcoming 
annual meeting, which is Saturday, May the 5th, beginning at 10 o'clock that morning. We'll have lunch also and an afternoon service, and then we enjoy a time of sweet fellowship up at the old Zion Schoolhouse in the Zion community later on that afternoon, probably around 4 or 5 o'clock. Our meeting will conclude on Sunday, May the 6th. Services will be at 10 that morning, and we'll have lunch that day. So we invite you to come and worship with us. If you've looked for an opportunity to come and worship, that Saturday would be a good time to come, Saturday, May the 5th at 10 o'clock. We look forward to hosting elders Sam Bryant and Josh Coker, both members of Vestavia Primitive Baptist Church, and we look forward to having them on that Saturday. So you come and worship with us if you can. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. I would love to hear from you as I give out my email address each week. It is so encouraging to know that you're listening. So I encourage you to write this down and drop me a note and let me know that you're listening. Or if you have any questions or comments, we'd be happy to take those. My email address is Tim at T-I-M-M. C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. Following this song, we'll bring to you a message from the Word of God. Bless the Lord, O oh my
I want to speak to you this morning and ask the question, are you ignoring Jesus? Because that's the subject that we find in Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans, the 10th chapter is commonly known as the Roman road to salvation. And I concede that it is a road to a particular type of salvation, but not at all like what you commonly hear in the denominational world. On the contrary, the Roman road to eternal salvation is listed in Romans, the eighth chapter, verses 29, 30, where it says that the Lord has foreknown us, predestinated us. He's called us. That's the new birth. He's justified us, and he one day will glorify us. That is the Roman road, so to speak, of eternal salvation. And notice that man is glaringly missing from that. There is no work that we do, no thought that we think, no choice that we make. Nothing we do ourselves can insert us into that Roman road of eternal salvation. And yet it's so common today to hear Romans 10 as being, well, that's the way you get saved. That's the way you go to heaven. Well, I concede again that it is a way to get saved. But what type of salvation is under consideration? It's not eternal salvation. Did you know that there are different descriptions and types of salvation in the Bible. There is an eternal salvation that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 1 and 21, and it's written about in Romans the 8th chapter, the 29th and 30th verse. It is said of Jesus in Matthew 1 and 21 that he shall save his people from their sins. That is so important to understand. That is the work of Christ. It's the work of the Lord, and we have nothing to contribute to that. We could not contribute to that. It's all his work and he gets all the glory for it. Now, in Romans, the 10th chapter, there is a salvation under consideration, but it is not eternal salvation. Let's read in verse 1. Brethren, the apostle Paul writes, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So definitely under consideration, we have a salvation here. What type of salvation is it? For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. There's something missing in their knowledge. And he says in verse 3 what it is. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Notice these people were ignoring Jesus. That's what the root word of ignorant is, to ignore. Have you ever been ignored? That's not a pleasant experience. It's one of my pet peeves. I do not like to be ignored. Those of you who are parents, if your children have ever ignored you, that is something that can really cause a lot of problems for the children, of course, if they ignore the instruction of their parents. But if you've ever been into a room and somebody was giving you the cold shoulder or just wouldn't speak to you, a time or two I've had somebody that just wouldn't even acknowledge that I was there, just ignored me. Imagine how the Lord Jesus Christ feels when we ignore him. And immediately someone may say, well, I've never ignored Jesus. I believe he's my Savior. I believe he's in my heart. I believe that he is the one that has given me eternal life. Well, that, that's all good. That is very good. But I want you to think about these details because we might be ignoring Jesus and not even realize it. The Apostle Paul says that he has a desire to see his brethren in Israel to be saved. Now, is he talking about eternal salvation? No, because he says they have a zeal of God. You cannot have a zeal that comes from God a zeal of God in your heart, you can't have that without already having, possessing eternal salvation. If you have a desire to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, if you love him, it's because he first loved you. 
If you have a desire to serve him, it's because he has served you on the cross by paying for your sins, and he's implanted himself into your heart. You see, you can't have a zeal of God unless God is within you. But the problem was that these people in Israel were ignoring Jesus. They were ignoring how God got inside of them. That is so important to see here. God is already inside these people that Paul is referring to. He says, for they being ignorant, for they ignoring God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And you say, well, what is the righteousness that he's talking about? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So you see, there is a belief that is tied to this salvation that he's speaking of here. And I want you to know that belief salvation is not the eternal salvation that God has given to us through his sacrifice on the cross, where he said he shall save his people from their sins. There's no question that's going to happen. We spoke last week about coming to Jesus, that the only way that we come to Jesus is that he comes to us. He draws us to him like water in a well cannot jump into the bucket. It cannot put itself into the bucket and get out of the well. No, it has to be drawn. And Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And he's speaking directly of the new birth. So understand, for one to believe, it means that they already have been given faith because belief is a derivative of faith. If you'll just look at the root words, uh, belief and faith come from the same root, root word. And so Belief comes from faith. Where does faith come from? That's a great question to ask. Galatians, the fifth chapter, says that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So faith comes from God. It is imparted in the new birth. It's not something we generate. It's not something we go and get. It's not something that just all of a sudden appears. No, God sovereignly writes that into the heart of a child of God, and we're given faith, and the object of our faith is, It's not a choice we made. You know, a lot of people have faith in their faith. The object of faith is not a choice we made. It's not something we do, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like he says here, if you believe that Christ is the establishment of your own righteousness, that his righteousness has been imputed to you, then you are saved from ignoring Jesus as that righteousness. Now, I'm going to give you an example of a man who was going about to establish his own righteousness in just a moment, but another word or two here about ignoring Jesus. First of all, remember, you'll hear this verse quoted here in Romans the 10th chapter and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You'll hear that again and again and again quoted in the context of this is how you go to heaven. I want you to know it's not talking about going to heaven. It is talking about stop ignoring Jesus. See, he's already there. He's already in your heart. Now, you'll be told in the world today, he's trying to get in your heart. But the Apostle Paul goes to great lengths to establish that the word is nigh in you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. He says the word of faith, which we preach, it's already there in the heart of these people because they have a zeal of God. They've been born of God. And what that means is that Christ has been written on their heart and they were ignoring what was written on their heart. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, verse three again, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now listen, this is why this is so important. Because if we don't submit ourselves to the righteousness of God by believing that he is our righteousness, 
His righteousness has been imputed to us and our sins have been put away, then there'll always be something missing in our life. There'll always be something missing in our walk. And I refer you to Mark, the 10th chapter. And we have the account of a man who was going about to establish his own righteousness. And he was ignoring Jesus because Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So he was not believing that Jesus was the end of the law for his righteousness. He was going about to establish his own. Now, watch this very carefully because I want you to see how that applies to us today. For there are many of God's children who have a zeal of God, who have God in their heart, but they're going about to establish their own righteousness thinking that they've got to do this, they've got to do that. Just like this man in Mark 10, the rich young ruler, just like this man, they go about to establish their own righteousness, and there's always going to be something lacking. Notice in Mark the 10th chapter, verse 17, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, is it clear here what's going on? This is a man who has a zeal of God. He comes and he's running, very zealous, and he kneels down to Jesus and he refers to him as good master. This man has a zeal of God, but he does not have the knowledge and he does not have the belief that Jesus is his righteousness because he says, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? There's all types of God's children in the world today asking that question. And the answer to that question is, is that Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our inheritance for eternal life. This man says, what do I do? See, he's got a burden. He's burdened. He's burdened by the weight of wondering, is he doing it good enough? Is he holding on the way? Is he doing everything right so that he can go to heaven? You see this man's mentality? There's something missing in his life. Look at all the things that this man's doing, and yet it still wasn't enough. Why? Because he was ignoring his true righteousness. His righteousness was not found in his keeping the law, not committing adultery, not killing, not stealing, not bearing false witness, not defrauding, and honoring his father and his mother. All of those things are great things, and they have their place. But it is not the way that we have eternal life, because Christ is the way we have eternal life. So this man says, what shall I do to have or inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and he said, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, you couldn't even refer to me as good master if you didn't already have something in your heart stirring around in there and telling you that I'm God. And he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. You see, Jesus lets this man go through his own thought process to reach the logical conclusion that something was missing. Notice Jesus didn't say, I want you to understand right here and now that I am your righteousness. I am the way that you inherit eternal life. It's my work. It's not yours. No, Jesus, in his love and his desire for this man to work it out in his own mind, to come to an understanding that Jesus was the end of the law for this man's righteousness, he let it play on out in his own mind. He follows along with the thought process that this man was having. And he says, you know what the commandments say. And the man looks at him and says, Master, verse 20, all these have I observed from my youth. Now watch this verse 21. 
Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And listen, no object of Jesus' love is ever going to perish in the flames of hell. This man was loved of Jesus, and this man was a child of God. There are those that will say, well, this guy missed the opportunity. He missed the boat. He didn't accept. He didn't let him in. He just walked away. No, this was a child of God who was ignoring Jesus. This is one of the very men that the Apostle Paul is writing about in Romans 10th chapter. He said, I have a desire that my brethren in Israel who are ignoring Jesus, who already have him written in their heart, that they would be saved from ignoring Jesus. And this man says, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, Well, that's great then. You're on your way to heaven because of what you've done. That's not what Jesus says. Well, that's great. Now, if you'll just accept me and let me into your heart and pray to me and hold on the way and be baptized and persevere, well, then you'll make it sure and you'll make it real. Or that's great. You've already done everything you need to do, and therefore you're on the way. You've inherited eternal life by your works. He does not say that because that's not how we inherit eternal life. He says, one thing thou lackest. Of all the good things that this rich young ruler was doing, Jesus said, you're lacking one thing. He says, go thy way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Oh, don't you know (laughs) this was something that got into the mind and the heart of the rich young ruler? Because he came asking the question. He says, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And he names off the things that he was doing. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm not defrauding. I'm not killing anybody. I'm honoring my parents. I'm doing all these things. Surely isn't that enough? And Jesus said, you're lacking one thing. And child of God, until we embrace that Jesus, his work, his righteousness is the, is the end of the law for our righteousness. It is the establishment of our righteousness. Until we embrace that, we will always have one thing lacking. Or maybe many things lacking, but at least one thing. There'll always be that gnawing down within. I just hadn't done it quite good enough. I haven't done it quite right. I need to do it again. You ever wonder why so many people go back and rededicate and there's always this push out there? Well, you might not have done it the right way the first time, so come do it again. You ever wonder why that's out there? You ever wonder why people are burdened by that? It's because at least one thing is lacking, like this rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was trying to establish his own righteousness, and he wanted Jesus to pat him on the back and say, oh, you've done enough. You're on the way. You ain't got anything to worry about. But Jesus didn't do that. No, Jesus turned his world upside down by letting him think, if you're going to run it out to its logical conclusion, then you're going to come to the conclusion that you're not going to make it to heaven based on your works. You see, Jesus is calling him to stop ignoring his true righteousness, which is the Son of God. And notice it says the rich young ruler who had come there asking for confirmation or a pat on the back or just to be told, hey, you're doing the right thing. Just keep it up. And now listen, this does not take away the fact that the rich young ruler was doing right things and good things, but the rich young ruler thought that he was doing those things so that he could get to heaven. And the reason he should have been doing those things was because Jesus was his righteousness. He'd already established his way to heaven. He'd already given him eternal life. And he should have been doing it just because he was thankful because the Lord had given him eternal life. But the rich young ruler who is still thinking, oh, I need to do this. I need to sell all that I have to go to heaven. He wouldn't even do it. He went away grieved for he had great possessions. Now, if you think that this means that the rich young ruler, he died and went to hell. That is not what this is teaching at all. 
It is teaching that the only righteousness we have is Jesus Christ. And the rich young ruler was thinking, well, I'll just establish my own. I'll keep the law. I won't do this. I won't do that. And then when he was presented the one thing that he wasn't doing, that he should have been doing, he was too tightly holding on to his riches, he wouldn't even do that. Can you imagine that? This man's thinking, if I don't do this, then I can't go to heaven. I'm going to go to hell. And he doesn't do it. That's amazing, isn't it? And of course, the apostles there listening are stunned because they think this guy's going to hell. (laughs) But Jesus comes on and he says these words that we should never forget in verse 27. The disciples were astonished out of measure and said, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. You know what he's saying there? He said, you don't need to worry about this rich young ruler. Jesus loves him. He's a child of God. He's got a zeal of God. He's got something within him that God has written there. He's going to heaven, but this man is struggling in his life because he is ignoring Jesus. Child of God, I ask you this morning, are you ignoring Jesus? If you are going about to establish your own righteousness, what does that mean? That means if you think that you're accepting Christ or you're walking the aisle, or persevering, or holding on, or being baptized, or doing something, or thinking something, or acting in some way. If you think that is your ticket to heaven, that means that you are going about to establish your own righteousness, and to some degree or another are ignoring Jesus. Because this says that Jesus, Christ, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And Paul says... That word is in you, verse 8 of Romans 10. That word is in your mouth. That word is in your heart. He's not trying to get in your heart. He's not trying to get in there somehow. He's not trying to get you to let him in. No, he says that word is in your heart. If you have a zeal of God, if you have a love of God, it means he's already in your heart. It's already there. It means he has already touched you. You've already got a desire for him. The rich young ruler had a desire for him or he never would have come to him. His problem was in his mind, he was ignoring Jesus. And he was thinking that keeping that law and doing all those things was his ticket. He was punching his ticket to heaven. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, That's not the way that you punch your ticket to heaven. The Lord punches your ticket to heaven. The Lord takes care of that by his sovereign choice, his work on the cross, and the Spirit tendering the heart. But if we ignore that, we need to be saved. We need to be saved from ignoring Jesus. Do you need that kind of salvation this morning? Let me tell you how to get it. Stop ignoring him. Stop thinking that my work, my thought, my energy, my acceptance, my holding on, my perseverance, my actions, my baptism, my walk in the aisle, my doing whatever you want to do to fill in the blank, because there's multiple things that could be put in there from all of the different uh, things that the denominational world has to offer. Every denomination has a different way. Fill in the blank. That is not how we get to heaven. The way we get to heaven is through the work of Christ alone. And if you love the Lord, and you feel conviction over your sins, it means he's already in there. He's already in your heart. And what do we do? Confess him. Believe in your heart. It's already there. God's already tendered your heart. And you'll be saved from ignoring Jesus. Oh, child of God, if we're ignoring Jesus, if we're ignoring the righteousness that is in Christ alone, that is imputed to us, what a deliverance we have when we confess him, whenever we believe and say, he is my righteousness. He is my only salvation. It's not in my works, but it's in his. 
May the Lord bless us to not ignore the Son of God. been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.